from the bullpen sessions, this is Patrick Lillis. Glad you're here, glad you're listening, uh, glad you're checking it out. And yeah, happy fall. Um, so funny, I was thinking about the fall and daylight savings and going, well, I don't, uh, I don't like the extra darkness, but I like the full swing of theater season. And I hope, uh, hope you're getting out and checking out plays and supporting people and writing plays and being part of productions. I, had a great experience last weekend, went to Tampa, uh, Hillsbury Community College, who partnered with us in 2019 and 2020 for the college collab. They did a, the newest production of Judith Leora's play and world premiere, they did. And it's great. The play was about censorship and uh, about cancel culture, about language and how we do or don't talk with each other. And the production was great. And, but what was amazing was there was a post-show discussion, and because Judith was there, most of the questions were about playwriting and, and writing the process, which was nice, very lively conversation. But then after the play, it was like an opening night party. People hung out on the stage, uh, the audience did, and talked to the cast, and just really talked about what resonated and the language and hearing both sides of points of view in use of language, and it was it was just great to see everybody engaged in it. I think, well, if you're going to do a play about, you know, how we do or don't talk about it, I think about or with each other, I think a measure of success is how people talked after the play, uh, very openly and appreciatively. So grateful for that. And looking forward this week, we go to OKC to see Deneen's play, um, Put Yourself Out There. And I'm really looking forward to that. They have a student director and have not partnered with OKC before, my uh, our first time. So excited to see how the students engage in that play. And it's, but I feel like, oh, that's, you know, I think that's why we have this sense of it being a full season of theater. Once the fall hits, everybody's doing projects and uh, would uh, love to hear what you're doing. Pitch it out into the world. Let everybody know who listens to the pod. So feel free to email me at patrick at thefarmtheater.org. And this week, got to have a great conversation with my friend Doug Terrell. Doug has a show, The American Soldier. Thought it was perfect to talk to him before Veterans Day. He is currently on a tour. He's been doing the show for, I think when we talked, about six years. And I directed it. I helped him develop it. And he has had great success in the tour and the life of the show keeps growing and growing and growing. And you'll hear him talk about how he treats it like a business. And, you know, I always talk about the artistic empowerment of creating your own work and the value of that and the value of having something to say. But it's also interesting to listen how clear Douglas has turned it into a business. And I think what a such a good way to think of your artistic career, not only that you have a one-person show, but if you're an actor, a writer, a director, designer, that you are your business and how he goes about pursuing that work. And also his dedication and commitment to a cause and an issue. And for him, it's the well-being of soldiers in this country uh, through American Soldier uh, the American Soldier is the solo play we first created. Then he got commissioned by the Library of Congress to create a companion piece. Then he's created a successful web series and um, was a great conversation. And with that, play ball. Uh, my 
first show is um, uh, Charleston, Illinois, at the it's the called the Dudna Fine Arts Center. Um, they were actually booked right before COVID, um, and then COVID hit, and then but they you know they kept me on. To, to be honest, every theater that booked me before COVID has come back on and rebooked me, and I've done them all. Um, this is the last booking that I had before COVID that I'm finishing up. Um, they've all stayed, you know, they, they've all stayed really consistent and they've all said, you know, we want to get you here. We can't get you here now, you know, and then, and then um, I can't remember the theater, but there was one theater, I think it was in Arizona where they were like, uh, uh, they had booked me from before COVID, but then there's season, then COVID opened up and then their season filled up with some really quick stuff. And then they said, we're going to get you in next year. And they got me in. And then, so then after Illinois, I go to, uh, uh, I go back to Monmouth, New Jersey. Uh, I performed there, oh, you know, probably three, four, five years ago. Uh, great space. She um, she reached out to me. She goes, hey, are you, are you available? And I was supposed to go to Michigan um, to do the show, but they canceled. The girl, the producer who was uh, doing the show, she had some um, family, serious family's illness. So she said, What are you doing in Mount Claire? Are you doing it with the theater department? At Monmouth, the Monmouth. 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 Yeah, Sorry. Monmouth. Yeah, the girl, she's the artistic director of the theater company. She's had me there before. And then she always asked me to give a speech to talk to the kids um, about, you know, theater and, you know, um, and, you know, the business, what, whatever, whatnot. And um, it's great space. She's really cool. And she's, um, uh, in fact, we were just emailing today. But yeah. And so, and I love Long Branch. I have a lot of memories in Long Branch. You know, I used to audition out there, you know, <laughs> getting on the train going out to Long Branch for <laughs> one act. It's the stuff you would do when you're starting out, man. Where where are you at? Where? Connecticut? I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> it's true. Well, look at now you're now you've got a show and you're going everywhere. I want to, you know what's interesting about the article about replacing the Stephen Lang show. Yeah. How, that's how did, and that's the final that's the final city in Ohio. How did that come about? Dude, it's crazy. So I mean that's a kind of a full circle for me because uh they they reached out to me and so somebody in so he he's doing avatar 2 and so he's i think he's retired the play i think he, he's basically said i'm not you know he's you know, he's probably making so much money now that he probably just said I, I don't have time for this um so um he had a bunch of bookings and he's been you know rescheduling them and then he finally just canceled them and he just finally said he told the theater, you know, I just my schedule was not going to allow me. The agent called him, actually. The agent called the theater, say, Stephen Lang can't do it. And he's actually um, he's retiring the play. So somebody who saw me in Iowa, um, you know, you know, I've been doing this play for so while that it's been getting around within the community of vets and people who are connected to that kind of niche industry uh, audience. And they said, hey, we know a play called The American Soldier. Um, we've seen it before and it's perfect. It's great. You know, you should reach out to him. And that's how I came about. He reached out to me and he said, um, you know, full disclosure, we had Stephen Lang um, book, you know, so we're asking if you can step in and and, um, and replace the, his show that we had scheduled for the, the 17th of November. And I said, yeah, sure. Which is kind of cool because and interesting and fun because I remember seeing Beyond Glory. It's a really young actor on Broadway and thinking, man, I'd like to do something like that. You know, like I would like to, do something like that. And, um, you know, and then when I saw it, it was at the American Place Theater, which used to be Wynn Handman's old theater, you know, and in the very beginning, this is like even before me and you worked, very beginning, like, you know, shit, I mean, 2008, 
eight, I think it was seven, eight. I would take little ideas, snippets of the play into Wynn's, Wynn's class. Wynn wasn't a big fan of soldier stuff coming in, when, especially the stuff I had, because he was a veteran and he just didn't like to hear about death and blood. And he hated, he was kind of a, uh, I don't want to say a pacifist, but I think he was a pacifist. He had become a pacifist. He served in World War II. A lot of people don't, don't know that. Um, so it was, you know, full circle to go. I remember seeing Beyond Glory and and to see it at the American Place Theater and to think, you know, one day I'd like to have a play like that. And now full circle where they're asking me to step in with the American soldier. And uh, yeah, so that's the way it is, man. You know, I, t- I tell people it's like in any anything, man, it's, it's a business of attrition. You just stay at it long enough and eventually you're the only one left. <laughs> <laughs> You know? Yeah, well, it's funny. I had a conversation with an off-Broadway artistic director this week who basically said that it's important about sustainability and just staying in the game. Yeah. And just yeah. keep showing up. And and uh, because when you said like 2007, 2008, you started bringing in parts of the show, uh, the American soldier that uh, went to... I know that we worked on it. When did we start, though? Was it eight years ago? Well, we first did the show twenty. Because the Library and Congress show was five years no. ago. Yeah, no, we started like in 2014 or 2013, I believe. Yeah. 2014. 14, I think. Yeah, it was in 14 because our very first show was the Bowery Poetry Club. And I remember that very clearly being 2015 because that was May. And then that was the first time we said, hey, you know, I think we're on to something here. I mean, we had done a couple of workshops before that. But then in 2015, we did the Bower Poetry Club and, you know, we had that great, it was a great, great little show. And we said, you know, I think maybe we can expand this. And, yeah. Uh, and then we did the Fringe in August. And, where, you know, it's interesting because that's it, right? Seven, we'll, we'll just say seven years ago. And now, now other people, you have a show, you have a property, it's good, right? We're going to talk about the growth of that also. But now people are recommending it to other yeah. producers, how I'm interested in the tenacity, like there's always the development of a show, right? We can, we can talk about that process, but once you had the show and you went to the Edinburgh fringe and you got recognition, then what's the work of letting other people know that you have a show? Well, I mean, I've talked about that before with, with actors and people who have asked, even solo show artists, people who have asked for advice, they've asked, Hey, you know, I'd love to you know pick your brain. You just, you have to just have to write emails and, 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 and push yourself, you know, say like, I mean, that's what I would, I mean, I still do it. You know, I, I'll look up theaters, like let's say in Florida and I'll say, Hey, you know, um, uh, I have a show. It's been, it's been at the Kennedy center library of Congress. These are some of the reviews, you know, and I would love to see if you'd be interested in me come bringing my play there. Sometimes what happens is sometimes some theaters will say, you know, we're not interested or they won't reply, but it really is a game of sales. I mean, it's a game, you know, if you, if you send out, you know, 30 pitches to 30 theaters and you get five, I mean, that's, that's, that's a huge thing. And then those five become kind of like return business, right? Cause they either like Monmouth or re- they rebook you, or a lot of times they refer you, or a lot of times they'll come back on a couple of years later and say, Hey, you know, like I did New Orleans right during COVID. And that theater, that, that booking, that event, that performance was on for like, I mean, this guy kept kicking my tires for like four years just four years. Hey, I want to love to bring it in. I bring it in. I'd like to bring it in, you know? And the other thing I always tell people is always develop a newsletter, right? Cause then you stay in their circles, right? So I've always been really big and 
developing a newsletter, getting people's emails, adding them on, asking for permission. Say, hey, you know, I have a newsletter. I send it out a couple of times a year just to let you know what I'm doing with the play. I love to add you on. Some people say, no, thank you. Some people say, yeah. For the most part, I would say 90% of the people say, sure, not a problem, you know. And so my email is growing to about 2,000, 2,500 people. And so you stay on top of mind. And then that allows for you to stay in their inbox, remind them, especially theater, uh, artistic directors and producers, you stay, on, you stay in their inbox, they, they get reminded of who you are, what you're doing, and then you keep pitching, you know, and I pitch out, there's a veteran organization in LA, uh, it's it's kind of run by Paramount CBS out there, and they've been really talking about bringing him out here, and I've been emailing him, and so whenever I get some new press, I'll say, hey, his name is Brian, I say, hey, Brian, just want to let you know, I've just got some press, you know, I'm still love to do the play with you guys. You know, and he'll reach out and, and then sometimes he'll say, well, what's the budget, you know, and tell him what the budget is. And then and sometimes, you know, the budget doesn't work out. And you say, well, whenever the budget works out, let me know. You know, and you start finding your level. But it's really just about waking up in the morning, finding theaters, finding the artistic directors, their emails and pitching it, reaching out to them. How, how often are you pitching? Do you think? Uh, I mean, I pitch pretty regularly. I mean, I pitch... Right now, because I'm so busy with some projects, um, I'm really busy with, you know, the place, the, the events coming up. And I just I shot a film. So that kind of, you know, and you also have your acting career that's away from the solo show that you're also trying to do the same thing with trying to manage. Right. So, I mean, I, I, I'll, I mean, I pitch every week, you know, sometimes I'll pitch more consistently, but I'll if I don't have anything going on for some reason, either an audition or something. I open my inbox and and I I'm really detailed in my folders. It's something I always tell actors to do. So I have a so I always I've I've always believed that your emails determine how much power you have, how organized they are, right? Because you can reach out to people very efficiently without searching for information. So I have theaters in three groups of and artistic directors in three groups in a folder called Theater One. That's, those are the theaters that I'm doing currently. Uh, theater two, those are the ones who are kind of like my hot my hot leads or people are really interested and they're, you know, they're either schedule or or they're just, uh, they said, you know, you know, stay in contact. We're trying to work with budget. And then uh, theater three, people who are more mostly not really too serious, but every, you know, there's a couple some good conversations in there. So, you know, I, ha I had some recent good press. So I'll, you know, I'll, I'll send it to them to let them know. And, and sometimes those, Theater three people jump into theater two because they become more. Um, they say, "Hey, you know, something opened up, um, um, you know, and we like to see if you're available, right?" And so you stay in contact. So by keeping your emails in your folders, I, and I, under those folders, I have literally the cities of the theaters, you know. So I have a folder and a subfolder, you know, um, you know, Florida, Texas, Connecticut, Iowa, right? And so and then I just. If I get press in, I'll basically write a, a nice email and I'll kind of copy and paste into the other theaters and, you know, and say, hey, you know, I just got this piece of press. I'm about to go to these three cities. I'd uh, love to, you know, talk about if you want to, you know, see if you want to put me on the books for um, for 2023. Well, I think it's great because of, of you know, I've you and I have known each other a while and I've developed a lot of solo shows. And I think many are good yeah. right, and worthy of running but it is clear that you are marketing yours consistently and getting it out there 
and I am, and I'm on your newsletter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I get to see what's happening, and it's great. And I think because it is a, not maybe not a full time job, but it's a job like you said of sales, and 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 it builds with attrition. With more time, you get more press, more awareness, but also. So I think your your commitment to it is great, and it's great to hear that you treat it that way. Because I think also recognizing that there's that theater three list is not the hot list, but it's still the list of like they didn't tell me to stop emailing them. No, no, exactly, and and they're and and also they're on my newsletter. So all those theaters, for the most part, they're on my newsletter, right? And so so they get my newsletter, and they get a very they they get a um, a you know a a sincere email pitch from them, you know, from me. So they, so, so I'm constantly keeping the conversation going and, you know, it's, you know, especially in our business and you know, this better than anything than anyone is it's a relationship business, right? So you're, what you're trying to do is cultivate a relationship. So they, so you go from somebody unknown to somebody known and somebody they can trust. And so a lot of places who book me now, they, um, they trust me. Right. And, and the, and the play has a resume. And so they, they're like this guy and this guy's, you know, he seems to be very trustworthy. And I've had theaters. I performed for uh, um, uh, Joe Clancy up in Connecticut. He said, Hey, you know, I have, there's this theater up in Connecticut and they wanted, they're looking for a kind of a military subject to do up there, you know, and this is years ago when I did it. And so the same way I have my theaters organized, I have everything else organized. Like I have specific note emails from you in a special folder I have my bios, my templates, everything in a folder. So when they ask for that information, I just go straight into that specific folder, boom, send it out, right? And so what that does, and I always tell actors to do this, not everyone, you know, thinks, I don't think everyone sees the value in it, but there's so much value because when you're clear where your information is, you can just basically, you have speed, right? And then that takes stress off of you, right? Because you're not like going, Oh, I got to compose this email and I got to put all this shit together. You just like copy, paste, boom, go off, right? Copy, paste, boom, go off, right? And someone says, hey, can you send me your bio? I know where my bio is. I don't need to go look for it. You know, I go send and it. I, and I don't have to rewrite one. I don't have to rewrite one, right? You know, every once in a while, you know, like you'll tweak it a little bit because you're like, this is two years old now. I need to, I need to do it. But for the most part, like one thing that everybody always asks, you know, they always say, hey, can you send me your, any high resolution images? Can you send me your lighting plots? in your lighting and sound cue sheets, right? I have that in an email. So I, I don't go look, pulling from folders. Like I had that specific email. I copy it all at all, put it in a new email, send it off to them and they're off to go. And it takes stress. I'm going to jump a little bit with the impulse of doing this and the ownership of it. And on it came a commission of another show about the military from the Library of Congress. Came you making a web series. What... What has it done for you, the ownership of the success of having the show, but having built your own show? And then and I feel like building a an area of expertise for you. Uh, but what does it do for you when you think about it in your acting career? Because I think that's the value, right? You get this sense of ownership. Yeah, no. And not only that, you get a sense of control. You know, I, I tell people all the time, young, young actors, I said, you know, if there's anything I can do different, I would have started this 20 years ago. You know, I would have started creating my own material way earlier in my, you always hear that, but you don't see the value in it because it opens doors, right? It's connecting me with uh, film producers. It's connecting me with TV producers, TV casting directors. Um, uh, it's always, 
you know, work begets work, the whole adage, right? You know, they see you're working, they see that you're doing stuff. It opens doors. Um, it, 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 it opens opportunities. I mean, and every door in this business leads into another door. No door is, is close ended, you know? So, you know, I do, you know, I do a show, a small show in Hoboken, New Jersey. Someone says, reach out to the Kennedy Center. I do the Kennedy Center, right? The Library of Congress hears about it. So I do the Library of Congress. I mean, this is the Reader Digest version, but you do the Library of Congress about it. And then, you know, and other bookings come out of that. And then someone says, hey, you know, we'd be really interested if you would write a, you know, uh, if you would turn your play into a movie. And I said, well, I can't really do that. It's kind of complicated, but I'll write a version of it. So you write the web series, right? So everything leads into something and you know once you create one thing um you learn how to do it again you know you learn your process and and you feel like you always have control and you always do you know that's the thing about acting you know i i had to turn in an audition today but yeah, that's not really where my focus is you know you, you get so focused you get so focused on the stuff that you're creating that even when auditions come in you know you're you're just like, I need to get this out because I need to, I need my time back. Right. Where when you're sung as a young actor, you get an audition and you thought that was, it was, it, it was it, it was everything, you know, but you didn't have anything that it was yours that you were moving forward. Right. And, um, and that ownership, when you sit down to do that other audition, I think it's funny because it's not a dismissal of the work that's going to go into no, it. No, you're just, it's just where your focus is at. Your focus is at like, you know, great. It's a co-star or a guest star for a TV show. It's not like I'm going to be, you know, it's, Obviously, TV and film always pays really well, but, you know, um, especially today in the self-taping world, I mean, what are the odds of me, you know, booking it? You know, I mean, it's just like it's it's there, there's who knows how many self-tapes you're getting in, you know, and shit, they probably I had an, an audition that's due tomorrow. I did it today. Somebody probably had the time, didn't have kids and probably got it in yesterday. And maybe he nailed it, you know, so maybe it's already booked already. Right. And so so for you to twist yourself in a knot, you know, over this self-tape film or TV audition is um, I mean, you should obviously give it value. But, you know, you just um, it's a it's kind of it's become, you know, the it leads into another subject, but it's become kind of like a lottery now. You know, it's like it's there's just everyone is self-taping. Everyone is, you know, there's no feedback either. Right. You can't. You know, I don't get to go in the room with the casting director and he, him say, that was great, Doug. You know, could we, let's try it this way. Great. So now I know what you're doing. I'm use my craft and I use my, you know, my, uh, you know, what I've learned as an actor and try to create what the scene says and what it is, but you don't know what they're looking for, man. You just don't, you, and you don't get, a, you don't get a, you don't get a, um, you don't get any, uh, a feedback or a, right. That's, that's that's mainly COVID, right? That we're talking about because of the self tape and the way it's gone. Yeah, and that, it's not, and it's not, it's not changing, right? Because it, what casting director is going to pay that kind of rent in Manhattan now? When then when everyone is doing it, you know, like it's just numerically stupid, you know. I mean, even and I've talked to my my team. There are uh, there's a couple of ca old old school casting directors that they miss seeing the actors, but they're not going to spend a hundred grand a year to have actors come in. I mean, that doesn't make any sense, you know, I mean, to pay for commercial real estate. Well, let's let's talk about that, because you you moved during the pandemic. And how have you. How's that changed your your. How has that changed your managing of relationships and career? Well, again, you know, by creating your own work, I still have my own work. Right. I'm still booking my own play and I'm still pushing it. I mean, um, 
you know, you're always afraid that this year is the last year that someone's going to want to see the play, but it never happens. But well, then, but you'll find other things, you know, that I'll find, I, I want to turn it into a movie and then I'll find a way to turn it into a movie. But, you know, the world's, there's, you know, every coin flips two ways. It's good and bad. That's the business for a while. I mean, it's forever, really. I, I just don't see it ever coming back. You know, um, I just don't see casting directors, you know, choosing to have actors queue up outside their hallways for the, I mean, the, the money, it, the money is the game now, right? I mean, now producers, and they've just said, I can save hundreds of thousands of dollars by having the um, actors submit their tapes. Now, I'm sure there's a, there's a drawback, and obviously for everybody, there's a drawback. For actors, I mean, I talked to a lot of actors. They're like, fuck, what is it? You know, I'm like, I fucking nailed that self-tape. It's fucking awesome. I'm not even getting, I, I mean, I even asked my agent one day, but there was a period when I was, I was like, what the fuck? I was like, maybe I'm off here or something. I said, hey, his name is Carl. And I said, Carl, can you just look at my tapes? Because just make sure they're okay. And he said, they're perfect, man. He says, they're great. I love what you're doing with them. He says, it's just a numbers game. You just got to keep, keep going. I'm going to back it up again, though, because I want to get to the idea. You know, I get that you're right about the self-tape. And it's also, I like that you're treating it, all of it, like a business. You have a product. That impulse, though, it's because the film and television is the center. But the the thing that seems to have given the foundation to building it is creating creating something that's a solo show that's acting that can be done in a theater that's manageable, right? Yeah. Like like you said, you know, you know, when you said the amount of money that producers are saving in film and television, it's like right, but you got a show that's like you and a and a trunk, trunk and a flag, yeah, that's it, and uh, and theater. It's funny you talked about it, so I'm going to ask it differently. the imp the imp the impulse of getting that power. Did you did you know, like you say, if it was 20 years ago, you wish you had done it earlier? Did you know that you were empowering yourself at the time, or was it just no. an instinct? No, no, man. I mean, I had an. I, I always created. You know, I, even when I was in Wins class, I created. You know, I was I was always part of like people who were starting their own theater companies and. I enjoyed producing. Producing was something I always enjoyed doing. And I, and I, like I had a friend who shot a short film and he basically left it on his desk, his, his desktop. And I was in it. He said, you know, he had an idea, he wrote a script and, uh, it, and he said, what are you going to do? I go, what are you going to do with it? Oh, I don't have time to produce it. I don't have time to cut it. And I said, well, just give it to me. I'll, I'll do it. You know? And I did, I grabbed it, I cut it and I created a trailer and I submitted it to the Atlanta short festival. And, I, then I had a credit on IMDb. So I've always had that impulse to create my own work. But I never thought that the American soldier was going to be what what it's become. You know, I I thought it was going to be another project that I was going to produce, do it a couple of times, and that'd be it. You know, um, I had no idea that it was going to have the legs. Um, and I in the in the very beginnings before we worked together, I thought I thought it was going to be a play. I was trying to write a play. Right. And it wasn't until I took a playwriting class, took Craig Lucas's play, playwriting class. And he was like, you don't have a play. What you have is a solo show. Because I because I was struggling. I couldn't find a director. And I was like, no one understands what I'm trying to do. And they don't and they don't know what to do. And he's like, it's just because no one is ever going to get this is you have a solo show. So what you need to do is get into a solo show workshop. So then I, you know, I looked. Googled and I looked up Matt Overman and I found Matt Overman. And then I had a bullshit 20 minute version, which was bad. 
You know, <laughs> I mean, it was bad. It was bad. I mean, I, Brian O'Neill asked me, um, he asked me a question, you know, how did you, you know, did you, something similar to what you asked me, did you know you, it was going to be this successful? And I said, or, and what, what advice would you give? He, Brian O'Neill, he writes the book, um, Acting as a Business. He, he's got a whole business about it. And he's, I've known him for years as well, years. Um, uh, I said, no, but I said, you know, the biggest things for younger actors, you just, you have to, you have to be afraid of sucking. Like, I mean, you, you know, a lot of times young art, especially young, young actors and writers, they're terrified of what people are going to say about the work. And, 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 and I'm going to suck. And, and I tell them, most likely you are going to suck and people are going to think you suck and they are going to think your project is stupid. But what happens from that piece of um, that, by taking that big risk and getting the, those blows and seeing how bad it sucks. Now you have a product that you can shape, right? Then you can get it in front of someone and say, look, this sucks. I know it sucks, but what could we do to make it better? And that's what I did with the 20 minute version. I was like, this sucks. I know it's all over the place. I mean, I had the videos. I lost them. Thank God. But um, he recorded them. And, um, and so I had, but I had a bullshit version that when I finally found you, I was able to show you a piece of the product that sucked. And then from there, we took it into a different direction and we shaped it. And then if you remember that that workshop we did, it sucked there too, right? Yes, I was, was thinking better. that this morning. I was like, I was like, I wonder if Doug remembers that it opened with a Shakespeare monologue. Yeah. Oh, that, that, that people were like, we, we don't need Bill. He didn't fight in any American wars. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing Kate and, you know, and we had, a, we had no, we only had men. At that time, we had a lot of revolutionary pieces. We had no family members. But again, by being afraid, not being afraid of sucking, you can you get the feedback, right? And then you can shape it again. And you can, basically, it's just like sculpting. You keep shaping it and shaping it and shaping it and getting in front of the people and not being afraid to eventually it goes from sucking to being pretty good. And then now you're rolling. But, you know, it's like no one ever sees the the trajectory of it being good. They only, they think that, you know, it goes from paper to great to great. It doesn't, it goes from paper to shit, crap, no good, quit, don't do it again. And to eventually, you know, it's like, Hey, I want to see that again. You know? Well, and, uh, to eventually to like you said, like the, the library of Congress commissions you to do a different piece. Yeah. Yeah. And and they, they hear about it and they say, Hey, could you do this and do this? And, and, that, then, because and that process like, of sucking is shorter. It's even shorter. And, and I remember thinking, I told them, I told them no at the beginning uh, because they said, you know, we want to, you know, can you, they first said, can you, can you add a World War One piece to your play? And I said, look, man, this play is booked. Or, I mean, it's already cooked. You know, I, it's not something you can just break apart. And then she came back. She goes, oh, okay. And then she came back and she said, well, would you be willing to write something for us? And I was like, Jesus, you know, I, I was already remembering the process with the American soldier. Like they wanted it in like in six or seven months. And I was like, that's crazy. And uh, and then I, I said, let me think about it. And my wife was like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Are you, are you kidding me? You, you have to write it. Like you find a way. The Library of Congress asks you to write a play, then you write a play. And so I just basically used the, I every day I used the template to every day work on it, work on it, work on it, work on it. And the other thing that really helps with any project is having a deadline. Yes. Yeah. When you have that deadline, you're you uh, you're nervous, you're terrified, but you're pushing through. Right. When it's not loose ended, when you don't give yourself a deadline, 
it's like the old adage about solo show, right? You know, best thing you can do is book the theater. Well, that was it. Like we, 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 we had Memorial day. Yeah. And yeah. We're doing we it. Had that festival. We was like, they said, okay, we'll go get a shirt, you know, and go get a couple of letters and we'll just take it from there, you know? And, and those are some of my favorite images from that play. Um, and it's a, you know, obviously a, a memory that I'll never forget. Cause I remember, I mean, I, I've said this a thousand times. I've just been getting a lot of press and I've been sharing it, but I just remember it was a rainy weekend. It was a, the Sunday, I think it was a Sunday and yep. I didn't even want to go. I was like, it was like, I knew no one was going to be there. It was like, it was like, it's just like, it's like as an actor when you don't want to go, go do the play that you're in. You're like, no one wants to see this play. Like no one's going to see it. It's like, you're not motivated, right? You're also, you're nervous. So you're, your adrenaline is working in a weird way. It's telling you like, this is a stupid idea. You should have quit way back, you know? Um, and, you know, sure enough, there was like eight people there. I think there was nine people there. And, um, but, you know, you do it, you find a way to do it and you're nervous and you get it out of you and you're like, wow, you're now, now you've, you're exhilarated. And then what really made that play, that moment work was that gold star sibling who came up to us and said, you know, I hope you don't ever stop. So I hope what you're up to is, I hope you know what you're doing is very special. And and then you're like, huh, maybe, maybe we're on to something here, you know? And, but yeah, but that's, you know, years of already, you know, falling and stumbling, but, you know, it kind of like going back to the original question is, it's just so much, there's so much value in creating your own work that I think actors just, they don't, um, they just don't appreciate it. You know, they don't, they don't um they don't see the the value in writing your own work um um e even if even if it's just a scene even if it's just a short film that you shoot on your iphone you know i when i used to write for backstage i'd always tell people look write a short film shoot it with your iphone and get it on imdb and you'll learn so much from the process i mean through i i had a for a while i had a big passion in creating youtube videos family youtube videos but that's how i learned final cut Right. And so I taught myself final cut, you know, and, you know, your skills as an actor, every time you're producing your own work, they only add value to you as an artist. They never take away value and they give you confidence and they give you opportunities and they always open up doors. And they, it's, it's, it's always been true that. I had this, I had this great conversation today with an, actually with an editor um, talking about a film he made and he said, Oh, I was cast, you know, we had this, low budget so I but I cast these great actors because I also knew that they had produced their own work because yeah. they would know what the it process. was that the process we were doing and there would they would be on the team yeah no when I did when I did landing home everybody who every actor I cast was actors that I've that you know we've done readings or we've I've known for a long time for the most part I would say 90 80 percent of them and so same thing like I know I know they have the same scars I have, you know? And so I don't have to worry if I say, you know, call time tomorrow's at seven in the morning, they're going to be there at seven in the morning, right? They're in it for the long game. You know that they're in it for the long game. And this is another thing why I tell, you know, when you produce your own work, you start realizing why the business is so close knit because the risk is so tough, especially in film, but in, in all mediums that, you know, you don't want to bring anybody into the circle because you don't know who the heck they are. Right. You don't know if they're going to let they're not going to show up on time. Right. And so once you develop your network, you're like, look, 
I know when I work with Patrick, I know he's going to be there. I know when I work with Katie, she's going to be there. Like, I, I, I don't need another lighting designer. I mean, there was a while, there was, I don't know if you remember, but there was a guy who was, a, he, was he was like, we, we met him, that Broadway, uh, that Broadway so producer. producer. Yeah. Kicking nothing. But um, he said, he goes, um, you know, well, I want to get my own team, my own lighting designer here. I go, Katie's been my lighting designer since the beginning of the play. I don't know why we need another lighting designer. I mean, she she does a New York City ballet. Um, it's not like, you know, I found her off some high school or something, you know, and I was like, but I was going to fight with her. And then I said, well, and I know my director, you know, so I was like, because he wanted, you know, he wanted to bring in a new director. He wanted to bring in everybody. And I was like, why? I'll let you meet everybody. It was like, like, I don't know if I'm going to get along with that dude. And I don't know um, why, why we... I want to, I'm okay reinventing some part of the wheel, but I, I'm already comfortable with what I I have. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't need to, I, I don't need to kind of mix up the whole thing already because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. Maybe, maybe me, maybe it's oil and water with the, with the new personality. Right. And then you learn that as a business that, you know, you know, just showing up on time is such a big asset for you as a young actor or a young theater artist, because there's just so much stress. There's so much pressure on everybody that, you know, it's people don't want to bring in new entities because they're terrified of what's going to happen. You know, you know, maybe they won't show up in time. Maybe they won't learn their lines or, you know, all the things. So once you develop that core group, you know, and that at every level, it gets that much tighter, right? Because at every level, the, as the stresses and the pressures go up, the, the, the circles get tighter in, like they almost become like walls. They protect themselves. Right. You know, and this is why, uh, Scorsese uses the same editor, same casting directors, you know, everybody uses the same AD because they're like, he knows me, I know him, you know, we have a rhythm, I can trust him, they can trust me, I, I'm not bringing in another AD. I'm not I bringing think in about that with your, with your getting recommendations for your show, right, as other producers recommending you to other producers, it's like, so that's a network of people who trust each other. Yeah, yeah, and, and and going back to the email list, uh, Joe Clancy said he goes because uh, when people ask me stuff, I send it right off the bat, boom, 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 boom. And I do it mostly from a selfish point of view because I don't want to have any casts <laughs> lingering over my head, right? So if you say, Doug, I need your bio, you're probably and if I'm in front of my computer, you're going to get it within five or ten minutes, right? And uh, he took uh, the the producer in Connecticut said to Joe, like, wow, he's really prepared. Um, and Joe gave me that compliment. He says, I knew you would be very prepared because I know you, but they were, they're really enjoying working with you because you've provided them with everything. And I, um, it was Bedford, you know, she, she wasn't really a theater producer, but she, she says, she said the same thing, you know, she goes, wow, you're fast. You're really prepared. And I'm thinking who would not be? prepared like you know who who is not who are you guys working with that is not prepared well know? and also you're you're it's funny i think about this a lot like the idea of send me your resume well you have it so why does it take time to send it yeah you know and yeah and no it's i mean it's just you know it's just just being fast man you want you just want to i've always believed in that you know it's sometimes work too a disadvantage, but I would say 90% of the time, it's always been an advantage, you know, using speed, um, you know, striking when the iron is hot, you know. Um, How did the, is the, the Gabby Petito story come out yet? Yeah, came out last week or two weeks ago. Okay. How'd it come about? How'd you get it? 
I was, you know, agents submitted me. I auditioned, got cast. I was in, I was in San Diego for a uh, landing home. Uh, the, uh, I was accepted into the GI film festival and my agent called me and said, Hey, are you available for these dates? Excuse me. They're seriously thinking about casting you. And I said, yeah, I'm available. And then, um, like an hour later, I got a call and he says, Hey, you've been booked. Um, I'll give you more details, but you're going to be in Utah for about three weeks. And I was like, awesome. Great. <laughs> that was it. And then I went to, got, got up there and they took care of me. And, you know, uh, I was up in, uh, where was I in Utah? I think Salt Lake. I was in Salt Lake. And uh, it was great. It was Thurl Birch and really some cool people, really cool. And, and But, you know, as a seasoned actor, you know, you're just like, I come to set with my A game, you know, I'm prepared, I'm ready to go. When you want me, rehearsal, what time, you know, what email you need. And I treat the, like the team, you know, they you know, it was, you know, they had all these COVID protocols and they had to ask you to make sure you go get your test. And they had, they were constantly asking for information, you know, and, and, uh, and I've been on the other side of the fence where, you know, production has so many things going on and, you know, you just shot something. So, you know, you've got so many things going on that, you know, it's just such a blessing when so when you say send me I don't know your freaking driver license because I need it just send it you know you know don't add another task to the team say hey I haven't gotten your passport or I haven't gotten your information or I haven't gotten your you know um, your NDA you know the NDAs are really big you know you need to sign your NDA you know just right away right away right away right away right away because you're trying to develop that relationship where like well that was really easy to work with that guy you know. And does it always work out? You know, you, you have hiccups and 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 with people and with situations. But if your mindset is always just to be as easy uh, as as easy as how do you phrase it as as an easy actor to work with as possible, work will always find you somehow. You know, and if you add on the top of that, if you're always creating stuff, and then when you're always creating stuff too, always have something to talk about, right? Like um, the girl, her the girl who played my wife. She's based out of Utah and she, um, her husband was a combat vet and she said, oh, well, tell me about your play. And then she got on my website and she checked it out. She's like, well, how can I get you to Utah? And I said, oh, well, just find me some theaters and I'll reach out to them. So she's now working, trying to get me to Utah. Right. And so you're, you always have a, you know, you always have intellectual property to talk about, you know, and, and that's a really big deal. It is a big deal. I don't want to drop that, but I want to say the thing that was also great that you said was find me some theaters and I'll reach out to them. Yeah. I'll do the work. You give me an intro or even give me an awareness. And I think sometimes people are wanting the other person to be the booker no. for you, you know, and it's like, no, just give me the, give me the list. I'll make the call. You know, yeah, and I thought no, that absolutely. was great. Yeah, and, and, then, and, then, and then if you have your emails all set up, it's just, it's speed, right? And speed. Right. And you can do it. And I wanted to say the other thing that you said, it's interesting when you said, then I have something to talk about. You know, Ron Cephas Jones, who's now, you know, taken off, but he was working project to project when he would, and I remember him teaching at lab and he talked about like carrying a notebook and going to the museum and, you know, writing stuff in his notebook and like, and it was funny, he said, the similar thing you said, you always have something to talk about, because he's like, right, I'm not working, but it doesn't mean I'm not creating or thinking. And, no. you know, and, it, and all of a sudden, like, oh, I'm really interested in this. And then you have somewhere to go. 
know? yeah i mean like i mean you're always i mean you always have you're always trying to create and you're once you create you always feel like you can create like you know i'm trying to find i'm trying to add these female characters to the play because that's been something that combat vets female combat vets have asked me when they've seen the american soldier they said you know how come you don't and we haven't added any female combat vets to it. And I've kind of taken on that, 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 um, uh, that, uh, that task, that, that, uh, the challenge. And so I interviewed during COVID five, four, four female combat vets and I got their stories. And so I've been working on crafting their monologue into their, their stories into a monologue. And, uh, but you have a, a system that you can do, you know, it's still hard, you know, but you have a system that you can do that you can go from an idea to like, you know, a script, you know, and you can, you can figure out how to do it, you know? And then, so, I mean, everything like it always leads into something else. Right. Um, and who knows once I'm able to get them in, who knows, I don't know, maybe the woman's memorial in DC said, Hey, bring, you know, bring that play out here. You know, I will reach out to them. <laughs> I will tell them, I'll say, Hey, I've added female combat vets, but, that's how um, it's just the value for people, for actors. And I, I say it to so many people, people reach out to me, you know, say, Hey, you know, can you give me any advice in the business? I always tell them, create your own stuff, man, right off the bat. There's gotta be a subject that you're really interested in. Write about it. You know, yours was suicide or, or depression, you know, whatever yeah. it is, write about it, write about it and create your own project. And, don't do it in your living room. Well, that's you know, it. What you know, when you said it, it's it was interesting because do it in your living room is right. But when you it grows, like when I said I had a conversation with this editor, it's because we just, you know, finishing up the edit of our of the film of the solo show on suicide. And it became, you know, it was a solo show, and then it became a film. And it's growing into other projects. And I love all of it. And I think the empowerment, it's interesting because I think knowing. I like how good the show is, right? And the American Soldier, and that it turned into very successful. You you created a web series on a similar theme, another show, the Library of Congress commissioned, and I think it's interesting that it became this. But it also, I think, did something like you said. It empowered you to think about not only creating work, but also to think of the career as a business of like you're marketing yourself. Yeah. You you know you want to be working. Um, I think you gave a ton of advice and I usually ask that and I ask, what do you carry into the room with you? And I've, I heard that too. So I'm, I think I'm going to ask like, Hey, what do you, what are you thinking next is for you? What are you interested in? You know, you've created this platform. You're stepping into this Stephen Lang full circle idea, which is success, right? I saw this. I want to do that someday. Now I'm literally doing it. Yeah. What do you think's next? What is what is a? It's seeing how I can grow the American soldier, finding a way to make it relevant to today. You know, when I wrote the play, it, we were heavy in the Middle East. We were, you know, deep. We were we were in Iraq and Afghanistan. So it's um, the play has also, you know, I mean, you know, the play has the arc about the beauty of the military, but it, it also talks about guys who are in Iraq and Afghanistan. And so trying to find a way to make the play relevant. And, you know, the, per, you know, the, the holy grail of finding a producer who says, you know what, I would like to grab your play and see how, how we can make it bigger. You know, I still have a dream of, and I write down my dreams and I always tell actors to do the same thing. I still have a dream of doing it on Broadway. 
even if it's for one night, you know, I have a dream of doing it on Broadway for one night for a house full of veterans for Veterans Day, you know. Um, so it's finding a way how I can expand the play. And that's really what I'm working on, adding the female characters and then finding a way how I can um, just keep growing it to a point, you know, and I do have an, I, I have I, I like to film it. I would like to film it because uh, that's something that gets asked a lot. You know, you know, do you, you know, do you have a, a do you have a recording of it? I mean, I had the Kennedy Center recording, and the Library of Congress recording, but, you know, you know, theater never theater doesn't, doesn't translate the same as actually filming it. Yeah, it doesn't translate. And they use multi cameras, but it's just it's not the same. You know, it's better. And so and uh, Stephen Lang, I keep you know, stealing or being inspired by him, but he did Beyond Glory and though he used a lot of green screens. So, so, you know, he has a play where he's in a jungle somewhere and then, you know, they, he's doing the monologue, but he's surrounded like, like he's in a jungle three dimensionally, you know, and it's great. It's really cool. And it takes you there, you know? So I thought of finding, making that a project and raising the money for it and shooting it and having it, as as a, a movie you know for um for people to watch it i also think the play the plays what's i think what's been successful about the play and i think i got there by hook and crook is that it doesn't have a political slant and it's just it's just the american story and it's just a human story what what humans go through and what families go through from combat and war and, and yeah, really that, and it focuses i mean i'll talk about it in i'm sure i talked about it in the intro but it talked about PTSD from every war in America and impact on family and soldier. Yeah. But I think you were very, we both were very good of like, it's not a anti-war or pro-war. It's not, no, a, no it's no. just human. Yeah. And I think that's been the success of the play is that it, whether I do it in Kansas, which is as red as it can be red or Connecticut, which is fairly blue or parts of New York, um, the message is always the same, you know, because um, audiences, whether they be from every race or every religion, know someone who served and know someone who's a conservative, know someone who's a liberal. And and the, the, the scars and the wounds they carry are they don't change depending on your political belief. Right. You know, they're all the same. They're human scars. And so when people from Connecticut see the play they remember their families and they remember their scars or people they knew who had scars and the same thing in Kansas or Texas or wherever, California. And they're just reminded of why, wow, you know, if, if there was one political slant on the play is that I, I love this country very much. And I think we're very blessed to have men and women who are willing to put on the uniform and go fight for it, you know, for what it stands for and its ideals and for the freedoms that we all get to enjoy. So that, that would be, and I say that in Q&A sometimes, you know, why do you do it? And I say, it's really basic. I love the country. That's what inspired me to start thinking about creating the idea. And I just thought it was unfair that guys were coming back and couldn't, um, you know, pay their bills and, 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 and were doing four or five deployments, you know, and that was like, well, that doesn't seem really fair, you know? So I think we should have a better awareness of that. And everyone we talk to and everything you read is like, it is the people who are going to serve the country at its highest ideal. Yeah. You know? And uh, it's really interesting. I wanted to go, uh, since we're sort of wrapping up, I wanted to point out this thing you said that I thought was great about the non-political scars. Because I think in this time where everything is politicized, 
everything. And we're doing plays. And when we're telling human stories, the scars are scars. And there's not a, it's not a Republican scar. It's not a Democrat scar. It's not a woke scar. It's not a racist scar. It's a scar. It's a scar. You know, and the person is underneath there. And I think like, just when you were talking about it, it really resonated because I thought, right, that is what makes that play successful. And I think that's what makes theater any important, play. makes any yeah. play important is like, I need to tell that person's story. Yeah. I mean, I think if I was going to, if there's one where one, the one downside of COVID and since everything happened with, you know, George Floyd and everything, and since the country's become so politicized, at least for me, and I think we come from, we're cut from the same cloth from the old schools. You were always looking at art from the art, you know, like what's the objective, you know, what is this guy trying to say? What's, what's going on here? You know, what do we want the audience to feel? And now everything is just, everything is looked at specifically in the art. It's looked at through a political, um, a political prism. And I, I hope that ends. That's a bummer because I think it's affected the theater community a lot. That's the only thing I, I, I think that's probably the the bummer of COVID and since everything kind of is turned for us is how everything is looked at through this political point of view. And I'm hoping that yeah. it ends. we can go look at each other as Americans. Um, yeah. I go, I go for looking at each other as people, but I'll go with that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> people in America. Yeah. 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 You know, but, um, as you, as you sit in your, you know, Houston Astros thing, I just want to see you as a person, not, yeah. not as a, not as a, confused Astros fan. (laughs) (laughs) The confusion would be for me to you, my friend. (laughs) You know, what's funny is when this drops, we will know if one of us is turned out to be victorious or not. Yeah. Well, I'm nervous as crap. I mean, I'm always nervous with baseball. I mean, baseball is such a freaking hard sport, you know. Uh, It's just uh, um yeah, I, I yeah, I, I worry. I, 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 I believe whoever comes out of the American League wins the World Series. That's what I believe. Yeah, that was great. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for the conversation. Great legs with the tour. Uh, love the fact that we talked about a goal met and the goal of pre- his show subbing in for Stephen Lang, who was one of the inspirations for him creating the play and doing a show solo show like the one he's doing. Um, it's fantastic and really useful. I also appreciated the fact that we both talked about the winner of the World Series coming out of the American League, probably because the two teams we root for are in the American League. And this other thought, and I'm sharing it at the end of the podcast about you know, it's, it was really good, and everything about the conversation was great. And it was, I just love the thoroughness in which he approaches the business end of things because he does the work. And also, he talked about the female soldiers. And I know that this week he is including those monologues into the show for the first time. And congratulations, and very exciting that that development has happened. Yeah, I was going to say something about the World Series, and I'm congratulating Douglas on Houston winning, which I have a hard time doing because there was, people don't know or who aren't baseball fans maybe listening to the monologue about the cheating in 2017 when they knocked the Yankees out of the playoffs. 
and it's a you know it's a different team and they're very talented and a great manager and everything but I was thinking about why it's important and they weren't penalized and I'm thinking about it because I'm asked to I'm applying for jobs it's the end of the podcast I don't usually talk this long about this but it has to do in some of the job statements about equity, diversity, and inclusion and belief on it. And one of the things I was thinking about is when the system is rigged, you know, you get used to winning. That's, you know, and I think that builds confidence. And if you cheat, you know, to win, maybe it's an unsatisfying, maybe it's like, you know, it's eating potato chips or something. It's not fulfilling to win that way. However, I think you build an expectation and experience of winning that's valuable. And the person who, the team or person or whatever that didn't win, announcers, you know, in the sports will say things like, well, they have to overcome this challenge. And I thought, oh, right. If a system is rigged against you, your expectation or experience is that you have to overcome something as opposed to the expectation that you can do it, you've done it before. And it clarified, like, why, you know, I'm thinking about the scandals in baseball and I think about, like, why is it important to bring it up or, or why is it important to hold people accountable? And I think the reason is because it has an impact on everyone. And I was just thinking about it in the world of theater and EDI and going, well, why is it important? I'm like, well, if the system is rigged, our expectations for each other is different. You know, your expectation, uh, you know, is you have to work harder to overcome something. And it's like, well, if it was fair, I should work harder because I want to do my best, but I shouldn't have to work harder than everyone else. Um, It should be a level playing field. And it was good for me. It's funny. I think my resentment towards the Astros uh, was helpful for me to just think about why does that really bother me besides the fact that you know, the Yankees lost to them. And I was like, oh, it's because it changes the culture. And it helped me to think about it in the context of the work that I hope the country is doing in equity, diversity, and inclusion work, but also just in the industry of theater is doing. And it's, I think we have to change the perspective of each of us. And not only that, but that this historic damage that's done people feeling like they have to overcome something when it's like, wait, why don't we level the playing field? And that's still going to take a long time for it to feel fair and an equal opportunity and inclusive. And so I don't know if that's useful to anyone else, but it was useful to me as I start to think about this, because I think we can, I think there's a habit of, you know, that idea of like, oh, I'm a good person or I'm inclusive or I'm in a community of you know, individuals, and we're all unique, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, oh, I could really see it in in a different way um, of the damage that it does. So I'm sharing that mainly because I want to have it on record so when I go to talk about it, and also so that it's easier to say congratulations to Douglas and the Astros and their winning of the World Series, but also grateful for the conversation. And I'm also going to say you're probably grateful that we cut out the last 15 minutes of us talking about baseball in general. Um, But it was a great conversation. I hope the tour goes well, and I hope all of you, uh, anybody who wants to, you know, create your own work, Douglas talked very clearly about the power and importance of that, but also treating it like the 
like a business, the efficiency he talks about, about how he gets information out to people and and also how he does his outreach to make people aware of what he's doing. And I also love, and I think it's something we've heard over and over again on the podcast, that no doesn't mean no, it just means not right now, most of the time, when it comes to asking for work. And to keep that in mind and to keep moving forward. And with that, we're out. We're out.